Well, good morning, church. It is good to be together. Uh, a lot of us in our houses, we are um, busy getting ready for Christmas. There's lots going on. We have different traditions that I think all of our different families do. One of those things that a lot of households do is they watch Christmas movies together. I don't know if you guys do this. Um, you know, in, in our house, we, we love uh, the Christmas story. Uh, we watch Elf every year. Uh, I have a couple of teenage boys, so we also watch Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> but this year, Apple uh, launched a reboot of the, the Dickens classic, the, the Scrooge one. It's a musical, and it's with um, Ryan Reynolds and, and Will Ferrell, and it's called Spirited. And so watching it, it, it started me thinking about that, that phrase that we use, the, the spirit of Christmas. I was like, what is it? Is it like giving? Is it kindness, contentment, an attitude of, of happiness or peacefulness, like goodwill towards all men? It, it seems like there is a wide wager, uh, range of answers as you, you, know, you watch all these different Christmas movies. And so I thought, like, if we go to the source, right? If we go to the, the Christmas story in the Bible, um, what does it say there about the spirit of Christmas? And, and one thing that you can see for sure about that first Christmas is that it was full of uh, praise and thanks and blessing and glory to God, worship. And that's, that's what we wanted to look at. We, we want to look at worship uh, through the, the Christmas story uh, this season together. And, and today, um, we're looking at Mary. In Luke's gospel, we meet Mary uh, when the archangel Gabriel first appears to her. Uh, this was a, a sudden encounter. There wasn't any fanfare. And he comes and he discloses God's amazing plan, that the Messiah will come and, and he will come through her, through Mary. So some general background on, on Mary. Her name is equivalent to the Hebrew Miriam. Uh, her hometown is a small community in Galilee called Nazareth. And Nazareth does not have a great reputation. There's a, another story in the Bible with a guy named uh, Nathaniel, and he comments, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So it's, it's likely for, for Mary, maybe, good things are scarce. And Mary is a close relative of a woman by the name of Elizabeth. Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. We learned about her and Zechariah last week together. And Elizabeth is likely an aunt or a cousin. Uh, we don't know for sure, but she's older. Uh, so, so that's what we can assume. Mary is engaged to Joseph. Joseph is a carpenter. Uh, and scripture tells us that he's a righteous man. Mary is likely a teenager. Uh, it was customary for girls in, in culture at that time to be engaged when they were young as young as 13 even. So she's somewhere between 13 and 16 years old and her marriage was arranged probably through her father and Joseph or Joseph's family. So in these cultural circumstances at the time, uh, her engagement to Joseph is a, a, a formal legal arrangement, it's an agreement. And those engagement arrangements commonly lasted about a year. And they are uh, as legally binding as a marriage would be in itself. So essentially this couple at this point is, is deemed husband and wife and that it's only through a legal divorce uh, that it could break that agreement. Um, so it is a time of engagement. The couple did live separately. There was no physical relations between them. 
Uh, and that's actually one of the main points of one of these betrothal contracts is that the couple is able to demonstrate fidelity to each other over the course of that year. And so scripture is very clear. Mary is, is still a virgin when Jesus is conceived. And Luke, as he's, as he's telling this story, he emphasizes this in his writing. He says it twice in Luke 1.27. He says, to a virgin pledged to be married. The virgin's name was Mary. And he's using this Greek term here that has zero nuance uh, for interpretation. And uh, this fact that she's a virgin is confirmed by Mary's own testimony. She says in Luke 1.34 that she's never been intimate with anyone with any man. And so when the angel appears to Mary, she is already formally bound uh, to Joseph. And the angel Gabriel is telling her that she is the one through whom the Messiah would come. And he shares this exciting other birth, birth announcement uh, about that her uh, relative Elizabeth is also pregnant. Uh, and she is pregnant with the forerunner to Jesus, John the Baptist. And so, you know, this is, for Mary, this is privilege. She is to be the mother of the Messiah. But this privilege could also come at a really high cost for Mary. Right? Personally, it carried the weight of, of stigma for an unwed, unwed pregnancy. So even though she had remained totally and completely without fault, the community is bound to think otherwise by these circumstances, right? And, and socially, it carries this, this burden of divorce Right? Joseph could end their engagement contract. Um, also culturally, under Jewish law, uh, if you look in Deuteronomy 22, um, that it carried the possibility um, of the penalty of death. Mary could be stoned to death uh, for being promised to Joseph as a virgin and now seemingly otherwise. And what, what would people think this? Was Joseph going to assume the worst? Was his heart going to sink when he learned that she was pregnant and knew that he wasn't the father? Is he going to divorce her? Could this be worse? <laughs> what about the responsibility of parenting the Messiah? I think Mary must have anticipated all of these difficulties, the, the moment that the angel told her that she would conceive a child. But but Mary's response, she just, she surrenders herself unconditionally and, and simply. It says in Luke 1.38, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to do whatever he wants. Me, everything you said come true. And then the angel leaves and, and Mary doesn't waste a minute. She, she travels off to see uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And, and when she gets there, it must have been the most wonderful confirmation of all of those amazing things that, that the angel said. You know, Elizabeth is pregnant, six months pregnant. And she's, she's pregnant with the one who was to come before Jesus. The, the baby within her leapt with joy, right? And, and now Mary knows for sure the Messiah can't be far behind. And with this, Mary's amazement and, and her faith just just collide within her, and, and it causes her heart to, to burst forward with, with praise. And out of her mouth comes this beautiful song. It's found in Luke 1, verses 46 through 55. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, 
for he has looked on the humble servant, humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This, um, this text has been called Mary's Magnificent, or Mary's Song, or the hymn of the incarnation. And I think it's because her, her worship just like flows out of her like this, this anthem, right? Every, every bar is, is packed with, with notes of, of awe and trust and wonder. It's, it's from everything within her. And she's, she's singing at the top of her lungs, so to speak. And she just bursts with all these declarations of God's goodness. It's like, can, can you believe it? My God sees me. He blesses me. God, holy, perfect, merciful God. And, and she sings of these, these things like how God comes low because he loves his people. That God, he, he honors the lowly. That, that he fights for the underdog. That he embraces his children and he keeps his promises. Mary adds this, this harmony line, so to speak, this, this chord of God's faithfulness to his people. She speaks of, of those long ago. She speaks of his goodness to those in that day. She speaks of his goodness to everyone forevermore. Mary just packs this, this song with, with beauty and worship. And, and there's just so many fascinating characteristics about it, characteristics of, of her worship. And, and when we think about them, or we cultivate them, it gives us opportunity in our lives to sing like this, to, to experience like this, this greater depth in our worship to God. So let's, let's look at Mary's worship together. The first thing, um, first thing I wanna point out is that Mary gives us lots of low tones in her song. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary shows us that worship starts low from this posture of, of holy gratitude, making less of, of oneself and making everything of God. Magnify comes out of the Greek word, well, short form, mega. Um, mega, as you commonly know, is um, something for bigger than normal, right? Larger or louder. It is to cause to swell or to grow. So Mary is displaying her, her interior position here of reverence and awe. And she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Mary is a person who recognizes her need. 
her hunger. There is longing in her for healing and, and rescue. She says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She saw her position as low estate, a woman, a teenager, small town, engaged to a common guy who's a common laborer. And she is staggered that God would come to her, that, that he would bless her, an ordinary, everyday, unimportant person. And for Mary, her, her worship strung, sort of sprung up from this, this inner position that she had, an attitude within her of humility. Mary sees herself as an instrument that God is using in the fulfillment of his amazing plan. She never claims to be anything more than a humble servant in this. And, and anything extraordinary here is not about her. Right? But it, it is for her that, that God would use her in this extraordinary way. Throughout, she just points it all back to God, back to God, back to God. And, and it's unfortunate over, over the years we've seen uh, religious doctrines that, that have been created around Mary that almost make her like an idol. Right? People praying to her or, or creating shrines to her, um, burning candles for her, Hail Mary penance prayers to her, because Mary was, was never meant to be worshipped. Mary is a, is a worshiper. Her whole life and her testimony only ever pointed to God. She doesn't magnify herself. She magnifies God. Mary understood who she was, and she, she understood the, the greatness and the holiness of her God. And I, I think this is sometimes where, where we can, can get it wrong. When we increase, God is decreased. Because I, I think sometimes we can default to this, this self-focus where we, where we see quite naturally, right? We, we see and we interpret our lives through the lens of self. And so when we think about God's selection of, of Mary here as the mother of the Messiah, that could have invoked all kinds of responses from her, right? It could have puffed her up. Would it, would it not be a great honor to parent our Savior? Right? It could have caused her to think much of herself. And, and, and we see this and, and we think, you know, in our own lives, we have opportunity for this too, Right? Maybe in our own lives, when good stuff has gone down for us and we have benefits, somehow we have taken the credit for it. Right? We've seen it as something that we have done. But when we bolster this image of ourselves, it inflates our actual position. And we are a people in need of a savior. And when we gloss over that truth, we dilute what Christ did. When, when we ignore our position and abandon that language of lowly or sinner or needy, what we do is we weaken the language of grace. Barbara Brown Taylor said, the full impact of forgiveness cannot be felt apart from the full impact of what has been forgiven. 
So when we think more of ourselves, God is minimized. And Mary's worship shows us that at the very core, worship, it goes low. It is humility. It is reverence. It is awe. And it's clear that uh, God is not impressed with pride or power or, or position, right? Mary's worship clearly points that out. She says that he will scatter, he will bring down, he will give nothing to those who think that they have it all. But instead, he says, uh, she says that he has mercy on those who fear him, that he blesses the lowly, the people who are passed over by most people, people like Mary, Paul Woodruff says, it is the recognition of something greater than self, something beyond human creation or control. It stands in awe of something, something that dwarfs self. It allows us to sense the full extent of our limits, and it is in understanding our rank in the overall scheme of things. You know, humility can be hard to describe, but you know it when you feel it. It's this, this weighty recognition of something greater than self. And what's so funny about like those, those low notes in a song, right? That, that low end, when you think about it, it's often, it's often more felt than it is heard. Like vibrating and steady and, and deep, the way that like bass, you can feel it in your body when you hear it. And I wonder if this is what Mary means when she says that her soul magnifies the Lord. No one can hear a soul. So perhaps her worship came from so deep within her that her soul could feel the, the greatness and the holiness of God. There's a, there's a pace to feeling that greatness. Right? Reverence requires um, uh, a stillness, a, a, a quiet intentionality. When we, when we get going and we get busy and there's flurry and there's noise and there's activity and there is life and we get focused in on everything that is going on and our attention is going to, to, to other things and money and position and education and our jobs and worries. But a hurried soul can't feel awe a distracted soul is going to lose the weight of God's grace. But present, alert, uh, attentive, here is where there's, there's appreciation of, of our small humanness against God's vast and spectacular. We need to strip all that other stuff off, right? To truly feel the distance between us and our holy God. Slow down with me for a moment. Do you remember before you met Jesus? That ache, that God-sized hole that was deep in your soul that you tried to fill with all kinds of other things until he found you until he called you, until he held you and healed you and claimed you 
Or how about when you're in nature? <laughs> nature is full of things bigger and more powerful than us. Right? Oceans and, and earthquakes and grizzly bears, right? And sometimes, too, it, it's not even about size. It's just about those things that are far more complex than us, like a hummingbird or a snowflake, a seed. Can you feel it? The smallness of our humankind against all of the greatness of God. In your life, do you have simple practices that, that nourish reverence? Do you have habits that, that cultivate humility within you? Because reasons for, for reverence are hidden in plain sight all around us every day. Every day, all the time. So I encourage you to, to take the time and, and consider the wonders of God in your life, to, to pay attention, to take care, to feel the weight of who we are and who God is. It is to, to build a, a rhythm of reverences, reverence into your practices. I don't know if there's note takers out there. I'm a note taker, but this one's the important one to write down. Build a rhythm of reverence. And you can sing it out. You can pray it out. You can read a verse that locks you into that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, but that connection to God in that place, it is to, to cultivate those opportunities that give you opportunity to step into reverence and wonder and awe. As Mary showed us, this is going to give us this resounding impact in our worship. So as we, we consider Mary's song, it starts with those, those low notes from deep down in her soul. But there's more. The thing that we notice about her worship is that it, it, rises, it rises up. It, it moves to her heart. It is packed full of this heartfelt expression. It's real, and it is honest, and it is individual, and it is personal. You can see Mary's worship springs out of a heart filled with God. She has intimacy with him. She knows him. And if we just look at her song lyrics, it is scripture verses all woven together and it just displays her devotion and her love for the word of God. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's an echo of Psalm 35, nine. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. It's from Habakkuk 3.18. Mary said, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. It's a mirror of what Hannah prayed in 1 Samuel 1. And when Mary said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, it sounds just like Leah from Genesis 30. She declares, holy is his name. And she is quoting Psalm 111. She sings out of the, the history of Israel. She knows how God has helped and has made a way and has provided for his people. She knows God's stories. She speaks of the covenant with Abraham. This isn't her reciting verses. This is displaying her faith in God's eternal pledge to his people. Mary is familiar with God. 
She has, she has read, she has heard, she has memorized, and it pours out of her mouth. She has spent time with him. It's out of the abundance of the heart, of the heart that the mouth speaks. And this song just reflects that she is filled with God. You know, Mary knew the God of Scripture in such a personal way. She has laid claim to these promises. Look at how she speaks. She says, my soul magnifies, or my spirit rejoices. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for who? Me. The song is full of personal pronouns. My, my, me, me. This, this is such an intimate thing. Mary is, is worshiping from her heart's affection. She has this inner position of this beautiful relationship with God. I was thinking as we were worshiping, like Mary is such a hoarder of God's goodness. I was thinking about her story of, remember when the angels appear to the shepherds and the shepherds run off and they find her and they talk about it and they start sharing it. But what does Mary do? What does Mary do? It says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them where? In her heart. In her heart. And for us, I think this is where our worship can fall flat. Because if we don't know the God we're worshiping, we won't truly worship. If we aren't in relationship with him, how can there be any personal affection for him? There's no intimacy. There's no personal connection. We're going to miss all this depth. There, there is knowing, right? Like, like information that you keep in your head. But then there's, there's knowing, right? Like that information that we have experienced. And kids are a great example of this. You know, when, when Sean and I had our kids... We read a lot about uh, pregnancy and childbirth and what it is to raise kids. We, we felt like we knew stuff, right? And, and, then, and then for me, being pregnant and giving birth and having kids, well, this is a different kind of knowing. And any parent knows this. This is more than, than grabbing something with your mind, an intellectual understanding of something. This is experiencing it firsthand. And this is a totally different kind of intimacy. And it can be like this with God, right? We can know a lot about him. We can come to church, we can read our Bibles, we can memorize scripture, but we can remain unaffected. We can live every day with lots of God knowledge, but it stays on the surface. We can honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Mary shows us our opportunity in worship to, to let loose personally. Right? This is an intimate song from our hearts, our hearts. Each one of us has this breathtaking story of when, of when we encounter Jesus, how he has worked in our lives. Every miracle, every gift, every promise that he has ever made to us and his faithfulness to us through all of our years. And we're invited to tap into that. Right? Put, put all that content in, in, in every way, from, from all of our lives, from all of our experiences. 
Right? Just like Mary, who was invited to be the mother of the Messiah, to, to cherish and to teach and, and to train the, the son that she would call Lord. That was her story, and this is her heart full of praise. But just like her, each and every one of us has been given the opportunity to bear Christ within us. We have the, the same opportunity to, to personally praise him each one of us with our, our personal testimony, we have a heartfelt expression to share. Mary, Mary shows us that our opportunity to experience a, a fullness in worship, it is to personally experience the love of Christ and, and let that experience of the love of Christ fuel our worship. So, How's your relationship with Jesus these days? How's your heart? Is it, is it filled with love? Are you close? Are you known? Because Mary shows us a, a personal relationship is at the heart of worship. I'd encourage us, get close, spend time, be with him, grow in love and affection, create space to grow close to God. So note takers, the first one that I gave you to write down was cultivating rhythms of reverence. Well, here's one to add. Build practices to deepen your devotion to God. Mary shows us that intimacy is key. So we need to build practices that intentionally deepen our affection, our love, our devotion to God. Know him, be known by him. So Mary, Mary sings and we have those low notes resonating up from her soul and then it fills up and we have this expression from the fullness of her heart and the last thing that we want to talk about with Mary's worship is that it is a continuous overflow from her mouth. My soul magnifies is in the present tense. It means it's ongoing. It is unbroken. It is on repeat. It's not related to, to an event or a, a moment that's out there. It goes on and on and on and on. Her changing circumstances do not impact her worship. It flows uninterrupted. Mary shows us that wherever we are in all circumstances, from the depths of our souls up through the fullness of our heart, we can worship. And Mary's worship is not about what's going on around her. It, it can't be touched by her circumstances. <laughs> Just think of her situation. Right? She could have seen her pregnancy as a devastating interruption in her life. But instead, within these unexpected circumstances, her, her praise flows up from her uninterrupted. Right? Her, her song rises up about what she, what she knew, what she knew to be true of God. And, and it just goes to show us that, that worship is a way of life because it's, it's not 
fixed on something that never changes. God never changes. Jesus, he never changes. Love, his love never changes. His mercies never change. Our future with him never changes. No, his promises for us never change. And so if, if these things never change, why should our worship rise and fall? And this is, this is maybe where our worship can run into trouble because when we ebb and flow in our attitude, when, when joy comes and goes, it's possible that our, our hearts have attached onto another priority instead. Right? Maybe we've attached ourselves to our circumstances. Maybe we have a preferred outcome. But the problem with this is that life circumstances will always change. Right? They, they always move. That's a target that you will never hit. We need to anchor ourselves on something that never changes. God, God, despite whatever is happening all around us, it doesn't change God. It doesn't change his word. It doesn't change his purpose for us in our lives. It, it doesn't change his promises for us in our lives. And it's because of that that we can continue in worship. Every situation, every place we find ourselves, the detours, the <laughs> side trips, the places that were definitely not a part of our plan. Unending worship is possible in, in these places because it is faith and hope in our unchanging God. Mary shows us that, that divine moments will happen when we're doing something else. There's, there's nothing that we can do to make those moments happen. There's, there's nothing that we can do to stop them. It's like the same way a, a snowstorm might happen or, or catching a cold. We, we don't play any part in this stuff. The only, the only part that we play is that we can decide how we are going to respond. So we can keep the attention on us, our design for things. We can, we can focus in on the interruption of our life. Or, or we can stop what we're doing. We can see where we are and, and enter into that experience with faith and trust. And this is where we discover the, the depth of what is possible, the, the worship that is possible. Mary's worship truly demonstrates this to us. So how about with you? How are you feeling lately? Does, does your worship depend on your, your circumstances? Are those up and down days creating up and down moments in your worship? Is it hard to praise God? As Mary shows us this, this continuous stream that, that worship is possible, and we're invited to, to steady our song. So, and that's, that's whether we perceive things to be, to be good, and, and it's even when circumstances feel like they don't, they don't fit, because God is always good, never changing. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he is faithful. 
And that's what Mary shows us in her, in her worship. We have this opportunity to continue to praise God. So this, this is my last encouragement to you. Feel free to write this one down. Practice your praising. Practice your praising. Small incremental moments. Stop. Say thanks when it's good, right? When, when these great things happen. Practice your praising. Stop. Take that moment to, to decrease your perception of its disruption and increase your awareness of God's goodness. Thank you for this big lineup that I am in because it gave me opportunity to slow down and rest and pray. Or you get in in the morning, you say, thank you for this car that I take for granted every day that takes me to work. It's a gift. Thank you for this flight change because your timing is perfect and good. There are tiny, beautiful moments every day in our lives that we can practice praising. We practice praise ongoingly. It'll root you in continuously being aware of the goodness of God and it will bring honor in all of our moments. Mary's song informs our worship in so many beautiful ways, doesn't it? From, from down in our souls with reverence to up in our hearts with, with intimacy, from out of our mouths to sing ongoingly and continuously. You know, may we keep growing in our depth of worship. Can we do something together before you go? With me, can you, can you either close your eyes or, or, or bow your head, whatever, whatever's more comfortable for you. And, and I just wanna ask if you'll just center yourself, center your heart um, on Jesus. I know sometimes that can be harder in, in places with people, but you know, if we can just take a few deep breaths, move into that place where, where, where you meet with Christ. Um, where you can sense his, his presence. Maybe just shake off um, those feelings about what's coming up next. It's a busy time of year. And just be present. Present here. Can you hear it? that low sound within you. It, it resonates. It, it feels like we move low under the weight of his glory. It feels like awe. It feels like reverence. He is holy and good. It feels like wonder. Who am I that God would be mindful of me? Consider his power. Consider his kindness. His holiness, the weight of his glory. 
Can you hear it? That song that's filling in. This is your heartbeat. This is your story. This is your relationship with Jesus. This is who God is to you, what he has done in your life for you. It moves and it soars. This is every kindness that you have received. This is sin nailed to the cross in Christ. We have been saved from death. In Jesus, we have rest and healing and life. We have communion with him. At his table, we have friendship with each other. We were blind, but now we see. We were dead, but now we live. We were in prison, but now free. This is the goodness of his grace. It is fullness within your heart of your story. It is your relationship with a good and holy God. Can you hear it? It, it sings out from within you. continuous overflow of your heart in spite of everything that we are facing today God is good God is faithful this is the son of God the son of Mary and this Christmas we we celebrate that God came to earth that he lived in human flesh that he he suffered he died on that cross was buried to rise again to save you and to save me. And every day we can live with this wonder-filled worship within us, worship that cannot be contained, worship that cannot be contained within these four walls on a Sunday. It goes out. It requires no money. Mary was poor. It doesn't require talent or ability. It doesn't depend on eloquent words. It doesn't matter how hard we try because the reality of God will eclipse all of our best words and intentions. This is a soul filled with reverence. This is a heart filled with devotion. This is a mouth filled with praise. Together, church, together, may we magnify him days of our lives. Amen? Let's pray together. Oh Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful example that you have given us of worship through Mary. May our lives be filled with worship like this. It's full and rich and overflowing. Oh, do this good work in us, we pray. And this Christmas, for each of us, Lord, may it be filled with wonder-filled worship for you, that you would be glorified, that all the days of our lives would be filled 
with, with honor for you and praise for you. May you be glorified, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So it's my privilege to, to bless you this week. So if you'll, if you'll stand. It's modified from Colossians 3. May the, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and that you would be thankful. May the, the message of Christ dwell in you richly so that you would teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whether in, in word or deed, may you do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving glory and honor and praise to the God the Father through him. God bless you, church. Have a great week. We love you.